Welcome back to another episode of Focus on K-12, EdTech, and the Education Experience. I'm your host, Doug Conopelko, Education Strategist at CDWG. Today, I talk with two great education leaders, Dr. Emily Bell, the CIO of Fulton County Schools, and Dr. Keith Osborne, the CIO of the Georgia Department of Education, and we try to wrap our arms around connectivity and broadband in K-12. Let's dive in. Good afternoon. I'm Emily Bell. I'm the Chief Information Officer for Fulton County Schools in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my district serves uh, just about 90,000 students. I have over 100 schools, so we're definitely a metropolitan district serving a wide number of students and backgrounds. Um, I've been in education going on 27 years now, been in education technology leadership uh, just over 20. So I've been there and done that, Doug. Very good. Dr. Osborne, go ahead. Hey, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Keith Osborne. So I'm the Chief Information Officer for the Department of Education in Georgia. So I work up at the State Department. Uh, I, too, like very much like Emily, I've been in the business for about 31 years. I started out as a classroom teacher, as a high school science teacher. Uh, I've been a media specialist and then ultimately went into the role of technology, something I've been doing for well over 20 plus years now, uh, and have been at um, the implementation level as a network engineer and then worked up into technology leadership uh, at a district level. And then about six, uh, I guess it was about six years ago, moved up to the State Department. So here I sit today. Uh, and so my job is to oversee um, not just technology for the Department of Education in general, because obviously we have a technology infrastructure that we use. But in addition to that, uh, I work very closely with the districts throughout the entirety of the state uh, to understand what their needs are, understand um, you know, what they're uh, vying to do within their districts and find ways to support their endeavors. So thank you for having me today. Thank you. So something that's been in the news a lot lately and that's you know, getting a lot of airtime and renewed legislative attention is you know, students having access to connectivity, to broadband, to the Internet. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, when we're talking about broadband, what does that mean? Uh, so for us, um, uh, broadband is is literally all things related to um, digital education and the ability for children to participate in that. You know, obviously, the current situation in society uh, has uh, kind of increased the capacity of that. And so for us, when we talk about broadband, uh, specifically now, we're thinking about uh, what does it take for, for our children, irregardless of location, which could be inside of a, of a traditional classroom, or it could be learning from a home environment or somewhere within the community. What does it take for them to have uh, an, an ample supply of bandwidth to participate in multimedia rich uh, digital learning, irregardless of, of space, irregardless of time or place? So, Okay, and then so why is there the big focus right now, right? And just for folks who are listening or watching, you know, after we've published this, right? We are we are still in the midst of the pandemic, right? So that is still what's going on. So so why is there a big focus on this now? And what does this look like from both the, the K-12 district leader side, uh, Dr. Bell, and then also from the state education leader side? So we'll start with, with Emily. Well, if the question is, you know, why is this important right now, it is directly related to the pandemic and situations wherein we had to shift to remote learning. 
uh, remote learning being our students, our families are learning from home, they cannot come to our buildings. Or last year, we had a choice. They could come face-to-face -face or they could be in remote. But about half of our students chose to be in remote. So it's very important that our students do have access to the internet so that they can participate in this remote learning. In my opinion, um, you know, because we uh, conduct our schools under the free and public education, FAPE, it is our responsibility to try and make sure that our students have that internet connection because they are having, they have to be at home to participate in these learnings when we do have to shift to full closure of a building or uh, full closure of a district because uh, of, of the pandemic or other extenuating circumstances. So um, that's why it's important. You know, there are a number of challenges surrounding that. You know, I am a CIO of, of this school district. And so my direct responsibilities are for these buildings and the connectivity of the buildings. And then, of course, we do have a student device program and our board and community has have been so wonderfully supportive of our technology uh, initiatives. And we, we are very fortunate to be able to provide students in grades three through 12 with a device. And we are working on creating device carts for pre-K to second grade for a you know one-to-one -one access right there in the classroom. But that's a full-time job in and of itself. So to begin thinking about our, well, I've got, they have a device, but to access our content and even synchronous instruction, which we're able to deliver through Microsoft Teams here in Fulton, they have to have the internet. Do they have the internet? How can I really help? So for us, uh, beginning last year, we, we started working with our families. Our social workers did an amazing job connecting with families and trying to establish that they have a need for internet. And we were trying to solve this problem with hotspots. And hotspots, working off of a cellular signal, um, are you know can be helpful, but if you if you were in a densely populated apartment building, which happens in a metro area, then it can be difficult to get a really good signal. If you've got multiple devices trying to connect to that one hotspot, then your, your signal is degraded and you don't get a very strong signal and you start to come in and out when you're in those synchronous meetings. That's not good enough. We need that internet, internet connection to be really, really stable and good so the students can participate in free and public education no matter where they are. And having working now in this metro district and having worked in a rural district in the past, I, I do want the audience to understand that this broadband connectivity issue is just as much an issue for metro as it is for rural, um, but they are, they do look different. So that's why it's important, Doug. Uh, and, if, and if I can add on to Dr. Bell's comments, uh, Doug, um, I, 
I, I take one of those things that she said. I think there's three important points here. But the first is that uh, is is from our perspective, we sum all that up in the word of equity. Um, certainly from this standpoint, you see that uh, Georgia is, um, and, and maybe for the audience as a whole, Georgia is a local control state. So, so therefore, you know, the, the, the position of the State Department would be to really try and with as much effort as is necessary to understand exactly what the issues would be in, in, in a district. In this case, as Emily said, and she's absolutely correct, the problems are the same, but they're different because of the circumstances upon which they're, they surround. And so you see where that still is a question of equity for us. And our jobs now are to, to, to understand those and begin to kind of advocate on best ways to provide solutions for that. But to that point, you know, one of the things going back to um, the fact that what's happening in society, and I'm, I'm going to take the different approach of this and not say the negative uh, components of, of, you know, obviously these dark days that are happening in society, but I think that education is progressing. We're seeing it evolve. And specifically with that now, suddenly there is this opportunity for us to be able to deploy a a wider range of learning modalities. And as a result of that, you know, two thirds of those could very well be highly influenced by the availability of technology and specifically bandwidth. And so you see it's equity plus that that suddenly is why it's very, very important for us. The third and final point to that is to say that also with this, you know, we're, we're so proud of, of our teacher workforce. And I bet every state says the same thing because boy, you know, these people, these teachers have been the champion for this, but they too are evolving and they're beginning to understand that they need additional tools. They need additional data and they need that just in time. And suddenly you see this is why bandwidth is so important for them, because that medium is what is the delivery mechanism that we're going to use uh, to empower them and enable them to be able to do the job that they so desperately want to do. The thing that they, um, they that's what they went to school for is to practice that art of teaching. Our job is through bandwidth, through the availability of technology, through the, the capacity of data to empower them so they can do exactly what it is that they want to do. So they do a super job already. We're going to help them do it better. Yeah. Wonderful. Love that. So there, with this renewed focus has definitely been some programs put in place that are, you know, seeking to help close some of these gaps. So what are a couple of those programs? And then what does that look like uh, for folks who are kind of boots on the ground with them? Well, if I could, if I could talk about um, the federal government is releasing some funding. It's called the Emergency Connectivity Funding. Uh, the filing window it, it kind of went out in June. It actually ends today, which is August 13th when we're recording this, and uh, it, it really does have some interesting funding to provide connectivity, to bridge that gap for students who who don't have access. That's something the district can apply for. Um, On the the government's tech.ed.gov website, they actually reference some pretty creative um, networking or broadband efforts in other states that, uh, you know, kind of, gave reason for this funding source. For example, in Virginia, uh, uh, there was a district in Virginia that was leasing 2.5 gigahertz spectrum to a commercial ISP. 
And so what they were doing is basically having a public and slash private model to provide discounts to families. That was interesting. Um, over in Nebraska, they were doing a lot of towers. They were, they were popping up towers on top of water towers so that uh, you have a line of sight signal for families to get access to internet. And in California, they were standing up a couple of like a consortium where, you know, some business and, and the district get together and, and provide access as well as, you know, a community Wi-Fi efforts. These are all really interesting. And when you look at it on the website, what you'll see is consistent is the district drove it. The district drove it, drove the effort. Um, so that had to require, and, and they say on the website, you know, some of the risks and challenges is just the enormous amount of work on the district. You got to, you got to have leased lines. You got to start working on being able to negotiate property and, and, very, very complicated things, which if we were to undertake here at the district would uh, take resources that we have already. We already have limited resources and we'd have to move them towards this effort. So while this funding is there, it's only there temporarily. And it really doesn't take in consideration the total cost of ownership, because once this funding is gone, then I'm, I'm left with um, having to uh, fund the, the resources, the personnel, you know, the maintenance on the equipment, all of that stuff I'm left with. So there's that program that districts can apply for, but you see the challenges with that. And then there's the emergency broadband um, effort that the government is allowing families to apply for some discounts and uh, discounts on their devices that they might buy, discounts on their, if they get internet directly to their home, they can get discounts there. But, you know, a lot of our families in, who are economically disadvantaged are very, they're very leery of those kinds of programs where it's just a discount. It's not the full, you know, help. And if I'm economically disadvantaged and I'm having to make choices, do I buy this or that? This one would easily fall off and a discount doesn't really entice me that much. So um, like I said, we, those are the programs that, that I know about as, as a district. And then there's what Keith's working on at the state. Yeah, and, and I'll throw in there really quickly, uh... And then, and then over to you, Keith. But I think that's when we, when we've talked about these programs, when I'm going around, uh, you know, different states and having these conversations with leaders, right? The sustainability is a huge issue. And, and really what you're saying about those families and the family benefit, right? That is really the same issue, right? Because if I'm getting a discount, like that's, that's great right now, but am I going to have that discount forever? And what's that going to look like? And for a, a district who stands up, I mean, to your point, there are some really impressive programs going on all over, right? With, with, with these you know, district LTE networks and Wi-Fi mesh going across neighborhoods, really impressive programs. But the, the conversations that the districts are really ha having to have 
is also bringing in those community partners to say that, okay, we have this right now to help us stand it up, but we need you to be standing beside us because if we want this to be sustainable for our community, then we need you know to have it being carried that extra mile and also for those extra years. So go ahead, Keith. Yeah, to, to add to that, you know, I, I, I think we all understand that and we appreciate the fact that we were all placed in a position where we had to react very quickly. And, you know, traditionally, education is, is very good about going through a thought process. And we try to best understand exactly what the problem is, the parameters and the longitudinal effects of that before we implement these solutions. Unfortunately, this time we didn't. Uh, and as a result of that, as Emily said, there's been a wealth of, of, of resources that have been made available. Uh, and, and again, I get it, not knocking in any way because we needed those resources and we're still taking advantage of those and they're providing right. solutions. However, in the midst of this, and this is where I'm going with us, is that we, we hear the, the Emily's of, of our districts are saying that exactly. We hear the families that are saying that. And so now we're already in this position of saying, you know, we've been very diagnostic and we've been very prescriptive, but now what we have to do is really backtrack a little bit and begin to think even long, even more long-term about this, because, you know, I mean, let's face it, I, I say it in a jovial way, but I don't think the internet's going away. I don't think digital education's going away. I think it's here to stay. And so the travesty of this would be if we get to a point where suddenly those purse strings are completely closed. And, and now we have, uh, you know, recreated a situation which is highly dependent upon the availability of bandwidth. And this situation erupts. So Emily's very right. So we have to think about that. You know, our best bet on the, on the way to attack that is that obviously we need leadership. Uh, at the state level, we need leadership that's looking specifically at that. They're listening to what's happening in the district level. And then from that, you know, through that liaison, uh, we become a true advocate of that. So what Georgia has done is we've we've created. So part of my team uh, is what we call a K-12 connections team. We have people. That's what their jobs are. You know, this is a problem that requires ownership. And therefore, these people, whenever they wake up and they go to work, what's on their agenda today? solving bandwidth related problems, which could be very physical, but it also could be that part of, of playing part in conversations, helping others understand what we consider to be the long-term ramifications of these funds. And you know, what happens after we've gotten to this point? How do we continue on with this? And that's that prescriptive piece that I was talking about a minute ago. Uh, and for us, we think that's uh, very, very beneficial. Georgia's blessed. You know, we, we already provide bandwidth to our districts. So this is not something that was entirely brand new overnight. What we're needing to understand, however, is that that bandwidth that we provide goes directly to our schools. And so now we've got to find ways to extend that beyond the days of the school. They, they have very robust networks that operate between the hours of, say, eight and, eight and four in the afternoon. But what happens after four o'clock when those kids go home? We've got large networks that are very dormant. We've got a massive amount of bandwidth that's very dormant there. Uh, we're thinking about ways to re-energize that and, and point that back, as, as, as you heard Emily talking about. How do, how do we make sure that we're sustaining areas of the community that we recognize as digital deserts? And, and I'll say that's the last part, too, is that there's a good degree of description that needs to occur. And so part of my jobs, uh, my team's job is to go out and, and we survey, we work with other government agencies to find out exactly where is bandwidth available. And then we're also working with other agencies to find out where is bandwidth available uh, but the need is still there because of some other situation with our families. And so now you see through a collective impact, 
we endeavor to solve that problem once and for all for every child, irregardless of location. You know, our belief is every square inch of Georgia should be covered with a, with an ample amount of bandwidth. So, yeah, I mean, if I if I had to um, just get exactly what I wanted in life here, I. It doesn't matter to me which which government agency steps in, whether it's a city, a county, a state, or a federal agency. Um, Because of where we are in the world with regard to the need for internet access, not just for classroom access, but heck, for anything else I do in my life. You're, you're, it's an online application or it's an online portal or it, it, because of where we are and where we're going, I'd love to see a government agencies really begin to lean into this problem. Stop putting it on the district. We have, we have our plates full and let's, let's get free and public um, Wi-Fi access. Free and public safe Wi-Fi access is possible. Other countries are doing this and doing this really well. We do it in pockets in our country, but let's make it a priority. That's my wish list. All right. Perfect. Dr. Osborne, we got about a minute left here. What's your wish list? Uh, You know, it's kind of the same as Emily there. Um, I um, I believe in public education. Uh, I believe that we have a teacher workforce that's capable of achieving um, an opportunity for success for every child. Uh, she needs the tools. She needs to know that she's got the support mechanism. Uh, and this is this is my job. This is my vertical. So my job is to do exactly what Emily said. I'm looking for opportunities. Uh, that's my wish list is to make sure that people hear this message and they recognize that it applies to each and every one of us, irregardless of age, location. We, we, we all uh, endeavor to provide a, a great education for each and every one of our students. My job is to is to empower our teacher workforce, to empower our technology workforce so that we can provide those tools and specifically provide that bandwidth. Perfect. We'll take it. Well, then, you know, these wish lists are starting to align here and we'll have a solution right around the corner, right? Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for your time today, uh, for sharing a little bit of your journey and sort of where we are today. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for joining us today on Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or a review. If you'd like to contact us about the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at theconopelco or send us an email at focusonk12 at cdw.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time as we focus on K-12.